Hello, action takers. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have authentic conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help us get the scoop, the 411, and the lowdown on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping achieve bliss through awareness and action. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Want to learn how to highlight your life stories through photographs? We'll talk about that. Did you know why people didn't smile in old photographs? There are several theories, but three common ones are that it is due to the long exposure time, early photography was influenced by paintings where the subjects did not smile, and photographs were considered an important document. So if you want to seem upper class and show good character, you weren't supposed to smile. We've certainly come a long way, haven't we? This is episode 26, and my guest is Kathy Lawless. Kathy is a life story curator. She helps people avoid regret and gives them peace of mind that their family history and stories are documented, while loved ones have the capacity to still remember and share their wonderful stories. She helps families bridge generations, capturing the stories for future generations. She gives people access to their most treasured photos, memories, and stories so they can share with friends and family. She helps people move their memories from the basement and from their phones to the coffee table in heirloom quality photo books so that family and friends have access to these wonderful memories. There's something substantial about a printed book that makes stories feel important. And there's something really cool about videos. She's recently merged the two. Using QR codes printed in the books that link to videos, stories really come to life with photos and videos. Grab your free guide to the hidden power of storytelling at lifestorycurator.com forward slash free gift. Like her Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash lifestorycurator. For more information and to book your free session, visit her website at lifestorycurator.com. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Marissa. I'm happy to be here. I think this is going to be such a fun topic to talk about today because our conversation is going to be about photographs. And I think we've come a long way in the last 50 years, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I don't even know that people call them photographs anymore, right? It's just snap a pic, a selfie, all of that, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And if anybody ever told me back then that we had this thing called selfies, I would have just laughed. And nowadays, it's the thing. I mean, everywhere you go, everybody's taking pictures of themselves somewhere. <laughs> and it's quite fascinating. And, you know, my father used to love to take pictures a lot when I was growing up and he was the worst photographer and he admitted it. And he always got his finger in part of the photograph. I don't know how he managed to do that, but the little finger was always somewhere there. And I knew my dad took the picture. And back then the technology was pretty outdated. We were talking about Polaroid cameras and film, which a lot of young people today don't even know what that is. They've never had to go to a film shop to have their film developed, as they say, you know, they had these rooms where they had the red light and they would lock themselves in there and make sure it doesn't get exposed. Lots of technical stuff. And nowadays it's just so easy. We have our phones, we take a picture and we store them on our phones. But I think that the big challenge we're dealing with today is the fact that it's so easy to take pictures that we have so many of them. So what do you feel people struggle most with today in regards to their photos and memorabilia? 
Well, I think what people struggle with most is the volume of it, and maybe they feel overwhelmed by it. Depending on what generation you are, I think maybe young people haven't really thought about the volume of it because they just kind of flip around in their phones, and that's their only source of pictures, so to speak. But if you think about people of my generation or my parents, they have the boxes in the basement that they inherited from their parents, possibly, and they became the family historian, so to speak. Or they have their family and then their kids' kids. So there's all this generational volume. And then when you look at my generation, too, and and maybe you and your parents, you have the printed photographs, you have slides, you have 8 millimeter, you have video and VCR. And so there's all this different media of photos that then also can be complicated. So I think people are kind of very overwhelmed by, well, what am I going to do with all those boxes in the basement? Plus then my own photo albums that I created, plus then everything that's in my phone. Can I relate to that? And especially if you grew up, like you said, in the generation where we had VHS and Betamax, and we're not just talking about movies here, actually, we're talking about like when you recorded your wedding. Oh, yeah. And and even your relatives wedding photos are really outdated. And in fact, they usually used to come with those little negatives. And and now (laughs) that's all you have are the negatives. And you're going, okay, I can't see this. So now I have to figure out how do I get this from a negative to a photo. And sort it in some way because a lot of times too there wasn't even identification like we didn't even know what dates they were taken or for what event and so we're just scouring through photographs that didn't make any sense don't you agree oh absolutely it's kind of funny to me that when they did develop the film I don't know why they couldn't have put a date on the back of it you know there's all this weird data on the back you're like well what was the meaning of that but most pictures don't have any kind of date on it which is kind of frustrating when you're you know when you really start to look at them and figure out who it is what generation etc Yeah, that volumes, the technology changes, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, and even the quality, I still remember those old albums where they started to figure out how to store them in albums that were acid-free so that they didn't get exposed or the quality be compromised. However, it still only lasts a certain amount of time. And so there are a lot of old, old pictures that just seem to be fading no matter how much you try to take care of them. And it's really important to capture that information. And luckily, we live in an age now where we have alternatives, which leads me to wanting to know more about why you decided to do what you do and what benefits you are able to offer people who want to really capture their memories and make sure that they get passed on to future generations. Well, thank you for that question. It is something I'm very passionate about. I decided to get in this business because I'm all about capturing and celebrating big milestone moments. And kind of my first photo book that I did was for my grandparents' 75th wedding anniversary. And I always have to pause and say again, 75 years of marriage, because that's big, right? So they're in their 90s. And we had over the years celebrated their 40th and 50th. And we had pictures of those, of course, but that, you know, 75 years, their health was failing a little bit, but I was really compelled to capture for this celebration what these two people had created in the world. And, you know, two people had six kids, 16 grandkids and 34 great grandkids at the time. I went a little bit further and captured the family history by decade, you know, in the 30s, their first kids were born, they got married, these first kids were born in the 40s, they had three more kids, out my grandmother had kept these spiral notebooks 
of, you know, like when they got electricity on the farm and when they got that indoor plumbing, things like that. So I was able to capture a lot of this wonderful family history by these decades and then thought, wow, how do I capture what was going on in the world? Because, you know, the younger people aren't going to really understand that that's a big deal or what that was like, the Depression, and then what wars were going on in the 40s and what was happening in the world and in the United States and culturally and socially and things of that nature. It was all on kind of pieces of paper at the time, but then I did decide to put it all into photo books and organize it in a way then that really captured our family history. And it was such an amazing way to pull our family together because at that event then cousins aunts and uncles and friends and family then started adding to these little historical bullets right and it was very cryptic just on eight and a half by 11 printed pieces of paper but you know it just caused everybody to go oh well uncle dennis broke his arm in the 60s and then and sherry you know went to beauty school and this it ended up being more than just a family history it kind of brought our family together Yes, and actually that leads me to talking about the difference between organizing photos and creating memories because we look back and talk to our parents or grandparents and they tell us stories about an uncle or an aunt or a cousin or somebody that we'd never heard of before and without photos and some sort of memory that we can look at to describe exactly when that person lived, what they did, share deeper information about them, then And after a while, the future generations would never even know that that person existed. And so could you talk about the benefits of having memories created through your books versus just organizing photos? That is probably one of the big differences. I really did start with what are the memories we want to highlight and capture? What are the stories we want to tell? I didn't start with, hey, let's go organize all of the pictures that grandpa had in the shoebox and then figure out what those pictures told us. It was more about what were the big events going on in the family's life? What are the things we'd like to capture? You know, when the kids were born, when the kids went off to college, got married, when did the grandkids start? So it kind of started with this family first milestone moment kind of thing. Then it was about now let's dive into and find the pictures that really are going to bring the story to life. So, you know, there are kind of two ways to approach it. And I've had, you know, some people approach me with, well, when I get my pictures organized, then I'll give you a call and then we can put them into a memory book. And my first thought is, well, you haven't organized your pictures up to this point. Is that ever going to happen? Because it's not fun to just organize the pictures and you get overwhelmed, right? You don't even know where to start. So my approach is more about, well, let's talk about the story we want to tell, the memories we want to capture. Then let's go dive in the boxes and see what really cool pictures are there. Then you kind of pull those pictures out to bring the story to life. And oh, by the way, many times you'll find, oh, here's a story we forgot. Let's make sure that's in there. And then in other cases, we can't find any pictures to support a particular story. So maybe we decide to leave that out or we just don't have pictures to support it. So I do think there's kind of two ways to approach it, which is try to organize first and then figure out what you want to do with it. Or, you know, kind of my approach is let's start with the storyboard and the storyline and then let's go find the pictures and really those favorite pictures. Absolutely. Like I say, there's more than one way to approach things. However, that being said, if you want to get started, let's say with getting things a little more manageable, there are ways to just sort things out so that when they call you in and you're ready to really create
create memories for them in a very heartfelt way where you can really have a story to share with the family. One of the things I think they can do perhaps is just sort things by a certain value. So for example, you could say, okay, every family member that belongs to this family will go into this box for now. And then you might also sort it by an event, or maybe if you happen to know when it took place, then you can go by year. And just to consolidate things, because I remember for my dad, for example, he just loved taking pictures of places. And I just had photos of places, like there was no people in there. And you don't even know what these places are. <laughs> You're just staring at yeah. these pictures going, okay, I know this meant a lot to him because he wanted to remember where he visited because he loved to travel, but it doesn't mean anything to the rest of us because we don't even know what this is. We can't identify what he's taking a picture of. It could be a farm somewhere and we don't know what that means. So just setting things aside so that you know which photographs are going to have meaning and value to the story versus those that meant something to him at the time, but really are not anything that we're likely going to pass on to future generations. Absolutely. And I think that there is great peace of mind when you have your photos organized. And specifically when you think about the boxes in the basement, many times they're already organized. Maybe you got some from your mom's side of the family and some from your dad's side of the family. So kind of they're already organized in that way. But you're right. I mean, many times though, then someone said, oh, well, let's just put them all together. Well, as soon as they're all together now, when you start looking at black and white photos from the 20s and 30s, a lot of people look the same and you can't even hardly tell the families apart. So yeah, it's important to organize them in some way. And usually I think when you have the boxes in the basement, that tends to be more by family and then by event. And then, you know, you don't even know the years like you had said. In today's world with all the digital, I think because our phones automatically go with date and then a lot of the tools even go date and then location because it's got all the geographic information attached to it in the properties, they can keep track of stuff. So I think, you know, it's kind of shifted a little bit that now how I organize my stuff is by year and then by event within the year. And then in some cases, I've gone ahead and done even some of the facial recognition. I have some tools and I think almost all of the computers do that now with facial recognition where they can pull in uh, my husband. Here's my good friend, Nancy. Here's my friend, RH, you know, and they can look up for all those pictures, which is really helpful when you want to just do something with one person's pictures. So gotta love technology. It's amazing what we're able to do today that we never even dreamt of back then. We're talking about two types of photographs. We're talking about the digital kind, which we're very familiar with today because most of our photographs actually end up digital and stay digital forever. In fact, the problem that we're dealing with now is that people don't print or make copies of their photographs and then they get lost. But back then it had to do with hard copy photographs where we literally had to go to the store, have them develop, print them out, share them, make more copies. And it was a whole different ball game. So if we're dealing with more of the hard copy photographs, what is the average shelf life of something like that? And how is the best way to store them? So for example, I've got really old ones that are in really, really old photograph binders and they they are so old that the papers that they sit on are like yellowy and they have like this really thin plastic film on top that's obviously for preserving the photos basically but it's still old and sometimes when you even want to try and pull a photograph off it's stuck in there and you're worried that you're going to tear them apart if you're able to let's say sort your photographs in some way so that you can get some semblance of order before you work on your memory book what is the best way to store them do you think it's best to just keep them there there or do you pull them out and are they better off in like one of those acid-free boxes? I don't know if you have any tips that you can share in relation to that. I don't 
know that I would consider myself an expert on the storage of it, but I would say I've had clients come to me with, they want to actually take their photo albums as they have and scan page by page and kind of keep it captured in that moment. They do realize that if you try to pull that plastic sheet off, it might damage the picture, right? Right. And then in some cases, the pictures are loose and they've fallen out. So there's like a gap and a hole, etc. Yes. So it really comes down to what you're trying to do with your photos. I would encourage that you probably want to start to get them in digital form. I think if anything is reaching that 30, 40 years, 50 years, depending on how it's been stored, you probably need to start thinking about getting them scanned and in the digital form because they could be disintegrating at some point, you know, or, you know, they're just going to be damaged in some way. The other side of it is, you know, and this is, I think, also what happens with photos is no one wants to throw anything away, right? Yes. But then also when you start looking into these albums, you realize there's no date, there's no name. You don't even know who they are. You just know that this album was your mom or maybe it was your mom's mom. So now what are you going to do with it? So there's some real decision making, I think, that comes to a head, which also, I think, causes people to be stuck. Yeah. If you don't have like a goal of what you want to do with them, it's hard to make that decision. It's very stressful. And I think, like you said, it's just starting somewhere, just trying to sort things out. And then, of course, using a service like what you offer to make the process a lot easier. What options are available today for converting these printed photos into digital, as well as how do we then store all the digital images that we currently have on our phones, on social media, or wherever we put them to save them? Where do we store these long term so that they don't get lost and we can continue to share them with our families and loved ones? Well, depending on the volume of photos that you have, I think that really drives what you want to do with your storage. If you've got large volume, I think you probably need to have some sort of hard drive or cloud storage system that can handle the volume of the digital. At some point, you're going to reach a point of not having enough space on your just your regular day-to-day stuff, and then you're going to upgrade your technology. And so I do think you need to think about, do you want an external hard drive, and then that's where you're going to keep your photos, or is there a cloud solution? that you want to pay for that storage. The good news about what you have boxes in the basement kind of thing is there is a finite amount of them. You know how many are there, right? Yeah. The problem with our go forward thing is that people keep taking pictures every day. Like, I mean, I went to an event and I was going to post some stuff on social media and I must have taken all these pictures because I just couldn't get the right one. And then I haven't done anything with it. So I'm kicking myself. Now I've got, you know, like 30 pictures from this event that wasn't even that important. I was just trying to create two or three to post on the Facebook and, uh, and then I didn't even do that. So <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that doesn't relate to what you're saying. I read somewhere that if we take an average of about three photos a day, that adds up to about a thousand photos a year. And that's if you only take three photos. Many people take way more than that. And so how do you then decide what's going to get kept, what you want to delete? And then, of course, like you said, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a storage issue now, right? Because back in the day, you would take so much effort to print it and then bring it home and then make whatever copies you want. But now it's unlimited, but not in terms of storage. We still need to put it somewhere. So you're going to need enough of an external hard drive or like you said, a cloud-based software that will store it. It needs to still go somewhere and you've got to still make decisions in terms of how that's all going to be accessed down the road. Yeah. And are these just your photos? Do you want to share them with other family members? Because there's some collaboration sites that you can share pictures. So yeah, there's a lot of decisions to be made around the photos and what you want to do with them. Yes. And it's one of those things 
things where you can decide if it's something you want to do yourself. But the thing is, we all know that without accountability, it tends to get pushed to the side. So you say, I'm going to get to it. Years go by and nothing happens. And on top of which, the reality is doing DIY takes a lot of effort because you still have to have equipment and know how to gather all this and put it together. And without help, it's going to just be a bigger hill to climb, so to speak. And then there's also the option of ordering just basic books online. But I think the difference between doing something like that and using a service like what you provide is it's not just taking pictures and putting them on a page. It's really making sure that there's a story being told, that there is a fluidity to it. Am I right? Absolutely. That's exactly the difference. And I think the other difference is I feel like there's two main components to when you're putting a memory book together or a life story. And one is what's the story? How do we want to tell the story? And then what are all the pieces and stories and interviews and artifacts and pictures that make up and bring the story to life? So there's that whole collection piece of it. And and then there's the other part of that, which is then how do you artistically design it in a way that now it's going to be organized, beautiful, aesthetic. Many times I think people start pulling things together and they get all excited to do the project. And then now they got to go in and maybe they have to even learn how to do a digital book online. They have to even learn the tool and what could they do. So the work effort is almost double, right? Because it's, the, oh, hey, I have all this stuff and this is everything I want to pull together. And maybe they even had to scan all the photos. Yes. Okay, now everything's digital and I've got all the interviews and I've got all the text, but now I need to put it together. And I think that's how sometimes people can be like, oh my God, I have no more energy to do this. Yeah, it's so daunting. And just even trying to figure out what tools work best because there are scanners, for example, that are really geared towards this and some that are not. And people then just use a regular scanner and it doesn't come out right or it'll scan one at a time. And can you imagine if you're dealing with thousands and thousands of images, that's just so overwhelming. And then people give up in the long run because it's too much work. Like you said, the service that you provide is so unique and it's a wonderful gift to give. And it's also putting the family legacy out there for generations to enjoy. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about how your service works and why people would appreciate having it. I start with a complimentary curator session, which is a free consultation. So I can really talk to someone and say, what are you trying to accomplish? I mean, do you have a milestone moment coming up, like a milestone anniversary that you want to celebrate? Are you just trying to organize the boxes in the basement? So I'm really trying to understand what their goal is and what they're trying to accomplish to see if I can even help them. So we start with just this free consultation. And then, by the way, there's, you know, ideas being tossed around and excitement. And I, I show examples of what I've done. So, you know, there's some level of, idea generation happening. If the person wants to move forward, then the next step would be a paid session, which is what I call my storyboard session. And that's a $500 price point. And it's also a a deposit toward the end project, because this is also an investment in accountability and investment in completion, because I want them to complete the story, right? And I want them to be invested in it. And then during the storyboard session, again, we're really focusing on what's the goal of the project? Who's the audience going to be of the project? What are the main characters? Who are the main characters? And then how and when do we want to start the story? What's the beginning? Do we want to start with a family tree and go back, you know, two or three generations? If it's an organization, maybe they want to start with the founder and the history of when it gets started. And it's funny, one of the things I find is people usually think, oh, well, the beginning is easy. We know where we want it to begin. But many times you don't. You really have to be very thoughtful about, yes, we want to have a little bit of family history, but this is for our parents' 50th wedding anniversary. So we really want to start with when they met. And maybe that's the story and that's the beginning. And then 
so we kind of work through what are the beginning chapters, then we kind of move into, well, what are the middle chapters? Do we want to organize it by year, by decade? Is it organized by theme? So I have one client that wanted to organize it by the houses that they lived in. So over four of the kids were born in one house, and then they moved to another house because they needed a bigger house, and two more kids were born, and then the parents moved to another house, and then they moved to Colorado. And, you know, so sometimes it's by address. So the middle chapters can be really a fun way to figure out, uh, you know, what's the way we want to tell the story? How does the family think of the story? You know, maybe they think of it by decade, and but other times they think of it by where they lived at the time. And then the last part of it is to talk about how do we want the story to end? Most families don't have an ending, but a book has to have an ending or a story has to have an ending. So what are the ending chapters? And sometimes that's the big anniversary party and they want to include pictures of that. Sometimes it's really fun to do a tribute section where you could have the kids write letters to the parents or I did a graduation book and the family members wrote letters to the grad. So, you know, it can be a really thoughtful and meaningful way to express what someone has meant to someone. And really, that's what really makes it a meaningful gift as well. Yes. And it sounds like every family has a different story and a different purpose and you help them identify what that is and create that memory for them that is totally unique for what they want to accomplish. And it's wonderful because you can give it during Mother's Day, any holiday. It's such a unique gift because it's a one of a kind thing. It's not something you just go to the store and buy. It's really thought out and put together and something that generations can enjoy. Yeah, it's really a custom piece of artwork is what it is. And it's a customized to your story. So then after we create the storyboard, then I'm able to then understand, well, how many chapters are there? Which, how might that translate into the number of pictures and pages? And then I can come back with a price and a scope. And then we move forward with then now how do we dive into the boxes and find all of those pictures and start bringing the story to life and I give people you know little assignments kind of bite-sized pieces of okay we are organizing it by decade let's go find the pictures from the 1970s and let's find those five to eight to 15 pictures that you really think represent the family during that era and then we just start mapping through that there's usually um, a time frame and a deadline that we're working toward maybe it's going to be a surprise for the party or maybe we're going to include the party in the book so then it's a surprise afterward or maybe it's going to be for Mother's Day, Father's Day, etc. So there's a variety of ways but I, I do always want to have a deadline so that we can be holding ourselves accountable to keep moving this forward because it can be overwhelming. Oh, completely. And like you said, take it in bite-sized pieces and what I like too is that you do offer gift certificates and what makes that wonderful is that then you can give it as a gift to a family member and then it encourages them to get it done with your help and not feel so overwhelmed but still giving them something that is so precious and something that they will enjoy for many, many years to come. I'm glad you brought that up because that's another question that comes up on occasion is I really want to surprise my parent with this. But then again, my parent is the one, it's their story. So shouldn't they be part of telling the story? So sometimes you can do a little bit of both, which is give it to them as a gift and have them working with me to tell the story. But then, you know, we can surprise them at the end with a tribute section that they didn't know was going to be in the story. So they thought the story ended how they worked with me on it. But then there's these other pages that actually come to fruition because the family members are writing these letters and we're adding that in. So I think there's a combination of both that can happen, which make it you know very special. Definitely. This sounds so amazing. Would you remind our listeners again how they can reach you, Kathy? You can reach me at Curator, all one word, dot com. I've got different pages that show some examples of my work. There's some pricing pages that show some of my packages, but I will say most 
most of my pricing packages are pretty custom because it really depends on what kind of project the person wants, how many pictures, pages, interviews, scanning, do they want to incorporate in video, which is something new that I'm doing. It's really about me talking with them about what they're trying to create and how we can bring their story to life. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us so we can act on getting photos from print to digital and vice versa and get memory books that can be shared with all our loved ones. I really enjoyed having you on the show today, Kathy. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was really fun. Want to save yourself that trip to the market? Instacart delivers groceries in as little as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Receive free delivery on your first order over $35. Just follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know I sent you and help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. That's all for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening and thanks to Kathy Lawless for being my guest. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblissedout.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.